stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Uh, by the way, there there have been uh, protests today in various cities across Canada in support of this uh, checkpoint protest up in northern B.C. trying to block this Trans-Canada natural gas pipeline. Coastal Gas Link uh, is the company via Trans-Canada. Uh, here in Calgary today, you had supporters from Canada Action Pro-Energy Group show up to counter this protest against the LNG pipelines. They had a dueling protest today, uh, but the... Uh, Canada Action protesters far outnumbered uh, the other protesters. So there's some some disagreement here about all of this. Obviously, Canada Action and others believe that we need to to develop our energy resources, build the infrastructure to move those resources. On the other hand, uh, these other protesters are saying you you need to consent, and you don't have in this situation in Northern BC consent from the hereditary chiefs. Uh, local activist Michelle Robinson is part of that group and says in terms of the counter-protesters, it's natural there would be a disagreement. You would never put all of the uh, city mayors in one room and expect complete agreement. That is the same with Indigenous folks as well, is that you're not going to get agreement all across the way. So you have to work hard in each region, and we don't feel that that has happened. Speaking for Canada Action, though, Lynn Nellis says they just can't understand the protest against this project in northern B.C. This is a $40 billion project that's going to help increase uh, job and employment as well as prosperity for the First Nations that have all signed agreements along that route, as well as for British Columbians, for Canadians, uh, to support all of our social services you know, uh, that we have as Canadians. So yeah, this is an important project. And there are a lot of First Nations that do have agreements with this company and stand to benefit from this project. The company has, has done everything that's been expected of it. They, they appear to have done everything by the book. And so it, it, it must seem frustrating that even after all of that, there's an inability at this point, or at least the perceived inability to move forward. But we shall see. And that's what brings us to what's been happening this week. Uh, so there is a court injunction, a court injunction that was issued last month that ordered people to stop preventing the company from gaining access to the area. So this pipeline would transport natural gas uh, from northeastern B.C. to the coast where they're building this LNG Canada facility. In order to get to this particular construction site, there, there is a road. I think there's a road and a bridge. It's basically a remote kind of forest service road. These protesters have set up camp there. And it's not just that they're there protesting, and they're certainly free to do so, but they've set up what are basically checkpoints. And so they aren't letting company workers get through. So that's what the injunction is meant to address. That these protesters cannot legally stop people from accessing this construction zone. And so yesterday, police moved in. 14 people were arrested. There's the potential for more arrests coming up today. Joining us for the latest, Kathleen Martins is a reporter with APTN who is covering all of this. Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. So what's happening there today? Today, uh, somewhat of a replay is expected because there's two sets of barriers. The first yesterday that came down was at a checkpoint and uh, several kilometers from the actual camp, which is where the pipeline company wants to get in and do preparatory work for its construction. So today, uh, that camp 
uh, is uh, the target of the RCMP operation. So it's basically to access the construction site. It's pretty much this this one road, and I think there's a bridge there as well, and that that's what's being blocked. Correct. That's correct. They've put up uh, handmade locked gates. They're wooden. Um, I was up there in November. I got a chance to see them up close. They've got some barbed wire over them, and uh, so you. And then as well, you can't go past without uh, being accepted. They have a protocol where you answer questions and uh, you know explain what your intentions are. And they have in the past. They've posted video of it, but they have in the past turned away um, pipeline officials uh, who tried to cross. And so not only can they not go across freely, they can't even get through the protocol part. Right. So the injunction is not necessarily to say that these protesters cannot be there, they cannot have a presence, but that they cannot prevent people from, from accessing the work site. That's correct. The injunction says, you know, the the uh, the camp's going to be, the company has said, we're going to leave the camp as it is. People can still do what they're doing there. We just need to get about a kilometer down the road and get uh, clearing land and whatever other work we have to do there because we've got deadlines to meet and we've got to get this pipeline in the ground. We want to get going uh, in January. Uh, so one of these checkpoints was, was taken down then yesterday? That's right. So uh, it was a fortified uh, barrier. There was a, a, a wooden wall. Um, some of these uh, protesters were told tied themselves to this gate and uh, others to trees or some kind of structures there. And so we couldn't see it. I have to say that we were kept back. RCMP mm-hmm. kept us out at a roadblock. But this is what we were told and what we saw on video from the scene. And now what happened then with these 14 people who were arrested? Uh, all but one, uh, an older uh, elderly lady who was uh, processed closer to Houston. The others were all sent to Prince George, where they have a larger holding facility there, the police, and uh, kept overnight, and this morning are making court appearances before uh, everyone anticipates they'll be released. All right, so what's the argument then from those who are at these checkpoints? Why do they believe uh, that they need to be there and, and why it is they believe that's, that they have uh, a right to, uh, to deny access to the work site? Well, they, because they, it is their land. They believe that uh, they say they are the caretakers. They, uh, their elected chief and council may have signed agreements with these with the company, but they don't want it. They don't want the damage that could potentially occur to the land. They rely on the land. Uh, they've got a homestead set up at this camp. Um, they live there uh, and they, uh, you know, eat, eat the berries. They trap the animals. They fish in the river and they don't want to see any of that, um, uh, you know, potentially polluted or worse from uh, from any kind of industry. Well, and yeah, and, and I think that's an important point as people understand, you know, what, what con- consultation means, what consent means uh, that we have in these, these situations or the situation here where we have elected band councils who have, uh, you know, signed agreements with the company, but we have hereditary chiefs uh, who feel differently. So what, what prevails here? Well, they say, the hereditary chiefs say they have been on on this land uh, for, you know, hundreds of years, uh, if not more. They are born into these positions. They learn to caretake the land, um, whereas the elected officials come in every two years under a system established by the government. Uh, you know, they um, look after services for the people, but they don't look after the land. 
and uh, so there's a there's a difference. And when you speak to them, they they have an incredible passion and depth about why they believe us strongly and they say they wish more Canadians could come and see what they're protecting here. And they also feel there's, um, you know, some of the terms we've heard are like economic racism where these projects don't go through municipalities, you know, they go through uh, Indigenous land and uh, so they're always put in a position to be the bad guy and have to uh, hold back this kind of development whereas uh, it's not even a, a community doesn't even, a municipality doesn't even have to worry about it. These companies don't come and say, hey, can we run a pipeline, you know, down your, through your town's main street? It's not an issue they have to deal with. So where does this all go from here? Well, um, more arrests are expected today. Uh, again, we can't get up there to see. the after. Hopefully tomorrow, uh, the aftermath we can report on, but there'll be um, more barriers come down as the RCMP enforce this injunction from the BC Supreme Court. Uh, the company uh, will be able to go in and uh, do the work. And what it means for the camp, we don't know. They feel, um, they posted a video, as I mentioned last night, saying they just don't think they can operate their camp with a, a pipeline running a kilometer away. Um, you know, that's all decisions they're going to have to make down the road. All right. Well, more coverage of this uh, ongoing developing story, aptn.ca. Kathleen, thanks so much for the update here this afternoon. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Rob. All right. That's Kathleen uh, Martins, who's covering all of this for APTN. Uh, some more arrests expected today. Again, if you're in defiance of a court injunction, then you should be arrested. That's just how it goes. Ultimately, on this issue, though, there's a question here. Who speaks for these people? And what's the point, then, of having elected band councils if their word doesn't mean anything? Why are we disenfranchising them in favor of some so-called hereditary chiefs? Again, these are elected band leaders there to speak for these First Nations. Coastal Gaslink has engaged with them. Uh, sought their consent and sought their buy-in. They did so the right way. There's no reason why this shouldn't go ahead. Yes, it this project impacts their land. That's why the company went to the band councils. And it has agreements with them. It's not just we got your permission. These communities stand to benefit from that. They are partners in this. So they engaged with, they consulted with, they partnered with First Nations. That's how it should be, and that's how it's been done here. And yet here again, we see a project encountering resistance. Uh, Christy Blatchford in the National Post today highlights something interesting. Uh, Chief Dan George of the Sil Kazko First Nation, one of the bands that has an agreement with the company, wrote an article recently in the Vancouver Sun in support of all of this. He also points out that some of the hereditary chiefs actually do support this pipeline. He names one of them, Helen Michelle, who is, in addition to being a hereditary chief, is an elected member of the Skin Thais Nation, one of the bands, another one of the bands that has an agreement signed with the company. Uh, she said last month, quote, I'm just tired of hearing about it. I'm just waiting for the shovel to get in the ground. Let's get on with our lives. So here's a hereditary chief. Here's an elected member of this First Nation. Saying, let's get on with this already. I think that's how a lot of people are feeling. There are companies that have failed to live up to their obligations. There are companies that have tried to take shortcuts when it comes to meaningful consultation with First Nation. This is not one of them. So there's an important kind of tipping point here. 
that if we have an example of a company that's done everything expected of it and more, and it still can't go ahead with the project, what does that say about the prospect of any project in this country? So this should be a lesson of how to do things right. And I think then if they can move forward with this project, it's a message to other companies that, look, if you do things the right way, that's how you make things happen. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.